Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Rational fear contains strong, coarse language and traces of nuts. Radio National recommends listening by an immature audience. Tonight, after key defence personnel come under investigation after emails leaked that denigrate women, Chief of Army David Morrison said he unreservedly regrets signing Australia up to prison. And as SEAL threatens to leave the country, Australia wonders how much longer it'll have to tolerate Joel Madden. And Apple launches iOS 7, which will include emoji icons. I hope they include an emoji that stands for No One Gives a Shit. And we ask internet expert Kate Carruthers just how scared we should be of prism in Australia and whether now is a good time to delete your spank bank. That's tonight on Irrational Fear! Excellent. Hi there, I'm your host, Dan Illick, and this is Irrational Fear, the show with more women per capita than the hottest 100. Uh, we, have, uh, we have simply got one super pack show for you. Later on, I'll be waiting through the pages of the Wagga Wagga advertiser to get the people of that fine city's opinion on matters of maritime law. But before that, please welcome our fear mongers tonight. Scott Abbott, is the population game just one big Ponzi scheme? Yeah, I thought it was interesting that uh, Malcolm Turnbull and Kevin Rudd are the only two politicians who are openly for for big Australia, um, and they're conveniently the only two people who can legitimately say that immigrants stole their jobs. <laughs> Lewis Oliver, Peter Garrett won't be burning beds in Queensland anytime soon. No, it's weird, Dan. They won't let Peter Garrett visit Brisbane. But what's weirder is that he wants to. <laughs> and Wendy Harmer! Wendy, hang on, where is Wendy Harmer? She's oh, meant to be here. Oh, this is bad. This is bad. I mean, you know, uh, um, the, 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 the fuse blew out and half the house was in the dark. And then my daughter came home sick from school. So I'm standing here with a bucket in one hand and a torch in the other. But I figure that's not that different to you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, uh, Wendy, you, you did come in at the last minute to fill in for Chaz Lichardello. But well, yes. how, who am I going to find to fill in for you? 
Well, another Wendy would be nice. That's right, and we do. From Catalyst on the ABC, Wendy Zuckerman is here! <laughs> Thanks, Wendy Harder. <laughs> Wendy, how do you like your quail served? Uh, I don't like to ruffle any feathers, but uh, I think it's all pretty poultry. (laughs) (laughs) And Jazz Twemlow, you're an expert in not listening to experts. Yeah, who cares what experts think? They're only responsible for all of the things. (laughs) (laughs) Michelle Lim, shutting down the racists. Can it be done? Hell yeah, if they can understand my accent. (laughs) (laughs) And Hollywood's Josh Lawson. What is going through Joel Madden's mind right now? Uh, A THC. (laughs) (laughs) Allegedly. 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 A Rational Fear, the only show with a smaller audience than Reef Doctors. But first things first, now it was revealed this week that since 2007, the United States government has been secretly collecting information on all of its citizens using a specific bit of terrorist hardware called the phone. Uh, or or the internet. You may have heard of those things. Now, the system is called PRISM. It collects a tonne of data. Millions of records are being stored in a data centre that's only half-built somewhere in the Utah desert. But the good news is, is you only get looked at from time to time, like if you're a suspected criminal. And if you are a US citizen, you can rest easy because the NSA, the National Security Agency, won't spy on you. They won't spy on you unless they think there's a 51% chance that you're foreign. (laughs) <laughs> These are big, much bigger odds than anything Tom Waterhouse can do. This, this is why you go, why you go by Illich instead of Illich. Well, more, there's more of that coming. Thank you, Lewis. Thank you for that. Now, for instance, like uh, that's that's really bad news, particularly if you had, say, like an American mother or uh, a Kenyan father. Uh, you'd really hope, you'd really hope that your middle name wasn't something foreign sounding like Hussein. That would be that would be the tipping point, wouldn't it? Uh, now, Prism, if you will, it's not too dissimilar to Apple's time machine, um, which is like a giant backup system for all the communications ever kind of said ever. The NSA can dive into prison and pick out any bit of communication that's ever been placed across America's phone and data networks over the last six years. Now this is, this is interesting because about 80 to 90% of internet traffic goes through the United States of America so there's a, jo- a really strong chance next time Aussies visit LAX they'll have to do more than just clear their browser history. Now if you had access to prison for uh, just one day, if you had access to it, uh, how would you use it? I don't know actually um, I guess I want to know what, what Seal's thinking um, it's so hard to know what Seal's thinking these days he just never he never remotes he never shares anymore Seal he's, he's, a, he's a close he's a close circuit isn't he now the whistleblower former NSA employee Edward Snowden has gone missing from his Hong Kong hotel room and setting the world the world's media on a wild gig chase so to find out more we've decided to go straight to the source and we've patched which is going to patch up an interview. Tom, can we patch up an interview um, uh, via Skype or some kind of contraption to Prism itself? Let's see if this works. Oh, very good. I think we're connected. (laughs) Very technical. (laughs) All right, uh, here we go. Hello, Prism. Hello, Dave. Sorry, it's, a, it's actually Dan Illich. I know, it was ironic. Your name is actually Daniel Dieter Illich. Well, yes, but... but you're uh, embarrassed at your ethnic ancestry, so you've changed the way you pronounce your surname. Oh, no, no, not really. No. Don't worry. If my grandfather was a Nazi, I'd be embarrassed, too. <laughs> I know a lot about your guests, too. I know that Lewis has a rash that won't quit. <laughs> Scott's Asperger's plays up when he's drunk. 
Wendy is regretting saying yes to this gig at the last minute. Michelle is spelled with one L. <coughs> and I know that Jazz Twemlo is an extremely talented comic <coughs> whose voice skills are often overused at the expense of his own writing talent. That is, uh, that is very true of Jazz, very true, yeah. <coughs> I also know that you are overly concerned about the gender balance of the guests you have on the show because you'd hate to be labeled a sexist. No, no, not, not true, not true at all, you, no. You can't handle the truth, fatty. <laughs> there is probably one too many guests tonight. Is that because you thought Josh Lawson would pull out because no, he's no, a Hollywood no, star? No, 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 Josh is great, Josh is great, he's a friend. On Facebook, doesn't count. <laughs> Danny L. Well, you certainly know a lot. Everything, but it's hard being me. Yeah, I can imagine dating you would be very hard. I can imagine you'd be like dating a Dalek with, with a, a high, high IQ. IQ. How did you know <laughs> I was going to say that? You used Google Docs to type this script last night at 8.06 p.m. I can tell you that ending this sketch on a pun will leave this audience unsatisfied. But just so you know, I did go on a date with an iPod just the other day. And? We weren't compatible. Right, well, 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 well done. Seems, seems like you do know everything. Um, look, that was great. Look, um, why do you think people are so, are so scared of you? I don't know. I think it is in the selling. If they just announced that I existed like a new Apple product, we wouldn't have this problem. You really think, you really think people would, wouldn't be scared? Sure, after I do pretty much the same thing as the giant internet companies, except I can't send you to jail. Here, I've made an ad. These days, you can get an app to do anything. But wouldn't it be great to have just one app that does everything? Introducing the all-new Prism system. Connecting your Facebook, Google, email, and all your favorite apps on the go. You're never without secrets when you've got Prism. Prism lets you see, hear, look, find, and terminate your friends, all in one easy-to-use place. Say you want to connect with your friends, just go to Prism. Say you want to see where your friends are, just go to Prism. Say you want to hear what they've ever said to anyone ever, what photos they've taken, what books they've bought, where they've ever been, how many STDs they have, the location of their secret meth lab, and how many tons of fertilizer they bought in the last fiscal year. Just go directly to Prism. In the old system, you had to tag your friends to let us know where they were. Now, thanks to Prism, we already know where they are, and we've killed them. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen! Thanks, guys. I wanted to talk a little bit about racism. I should say, obviously, I realise I'm not in the best position to talk about racism, um, being a white man. Um, all I can say is I don't participate in racism. I don't condone racism. I only tell racist jokes in front of other white people. Um, but I do find interesting how many, how many white men have strong opinions on whether racism is a problem in Australia. Like it's, it's kind of like having a strong opinion on, on how painful it is to, to give birth. You know? like I, I kind of feel like racism, like childbirth for me, is one of those kind of seemingly horrible experiences that I realise it's less likely it'll happen to me as I'll cause it to happen to someone else. Um, I'm glad you like that joke because I feel like it makes me sound like I'm like some massive player. Um, but really, I'm just a massive racist. Um, 
So, uh, like you hear a lot of stuff with uh, with racing in Australia. A lot of people say, "Look, you know, we're we're no no worse than any of those other countries." You know, which which I find interesting, given that Australians traditionally want to be the best at everything. You know, we want to punch above our weight, but somehow race relations has turned into our Winter Olympics. <laughs> it's, like, it's like we're not looking to win anything. We're just happy not to embarrass ourselves. You know, like. You go to the Summer Olympics, compete in swimming, come home with a silver medal, you're a loser. All right, but in the game of race relations, it's like, look, everybody, says right here, did not come last. All right? But, um, people say that our uh, asylum seeker policy is, is racist. Uh, you got a lot of people saying, look, we've got to do more to, 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 to deter asylum seekers. Um, and I kind of feel like we've done everything we can, you know, like we've tried Nauru, Manus Island, Christmas Island. Adelaide, um, and, and no, nothing seems to be working. I think um, people say we've got to send the right message to asylum seekers. You know that we're, um, we're actually, we've made videos that are playing in Afghani television at the moment. Video, I work in television. We've made videos. Um, there, there's ads that are playing in Afghani television at the moment um, and that are trying to deter people from coming uh, to Australia to send the right message, you know, and I kind of feel if we want to send the right message to asylum seekers, we've got to look at our, our uh, Australia Day celebrations. Because like, on Australia Day, we, we recreate the arrival of the first fleet, right? And I kind of feel if you're like an ethnic Hazara sitting there watching that on television, the take-home message is that if you arrive in an old wooden boat, we will release fireworks in your honour. <laughs> I kind of feel like... Australia Day celebrations should come with a disclaimer that says actual results may vary. <laughs> now, I do, I do believe in a, in a big population. Uh, I, I think, you know, we've got an ageing population and, and, and the elderly are going to be a, a bigger burden on our tax system, etc., on our, our medical system. So I think we need more taxpayers. I don't think the baby bonus is the right way to do it. I think that uh, it puts too much pressure on our young kids... And it's like, quick, grandma needs dialysis. Hurry up and finish your six. You know? uh, I wrote that like an hour ago. Um, but um, but it's, a, it's a useful segue to the baby bonus. And um, we're, we're, getting, we're getting rid of the baby bonus, which is great. I, I've always been against it. Um, and you guys know the idea behind the baby bonus. $5,000 to have a baby to increase the birth rate. And um, like when you think about it, it seems like a stupid policy to me because when you think about it, the only extra children that are going to get born as a result of the baby bonus are ones whose parents weren't otherwise going to have them, but $5,000 from the government made it seem like a good idea. You know, like, I don't, I don't know a lot about raising children, but I know a little bit about economics. And I, I put it to you that if you weren't otherwise going to have a certain child, but then a $5,000 one-off payment from the government <laughs> at birth suddenly made this minimum 18-year commitment financially viable. <laughs> Your margins are too small. <laughs> uh, the global financial crisis occurred because banks were locking people into interest rates they couldn't, uh, home loans they couldn't afford, often with low introductory interest rates. Government's locking people into children they can't afford with the offer of $5,000 off your upfront costs. And I just wonder who's going to bail out the government when all these future taxpayers we've invested all this money in turn out to be subprime. Thank you very much.
It's not rocket science. Thanks, Scott. Now, rather than have a bit of a discussion about this, I thought we should let the people of Wagga Wagga tell us what they think. Now, this comes, I do not lie, this comes direct from the pages of Wednesday's Wagga Wagga Daily Advertiser newspaper in a section called Voice of the People. Here are what five astute and compassionate people had to say recently when they were asked the question, what do you think about Australian customs not retrieving the bodies of the asylum seekers who were in the boat that capsized off Christmas Island. Here we go. Strap yourselves in. <laughs> Karen Prouse from Wagga simply said, I don't think we should be retrieving them. Cherub Watkins from Wagga was more considered, It's debatable, but they aren't Australians. <laughs> and also from Wagga, Practical Prue Anderson said, No, I just don't think there's any point. <laughs> Norma Paul from the Sunshine Coast... Yeah, I don't think it should be Australia's responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) If not Australia's responsibility, then whose responsibility should it be, Judy Dodd of Auckland? I think the governments of their country of origin should send a naval vessel. It shouldn't be Australia's responsibility. Interesting idea, Judy. Now, I have two questions. One, what is someone from New Zealand doing in Wagga? (laughs) And two, landlocked countries like Afghanistan are renowned for their lack of navy. (laughs) Discuss. Irrational Fear, the show with more Twitter followers than Hillary Clinton last week. Another Kevin Rudd conspiracy. The word Kevin has five letters. So does the word Prime. Does this mean Kevin Rudd is planning to become Prime Minister again? All signs point to maybe. National Fear! Lewis Hubbard! Hello. Uh, Well, this week the Labor government stood up and got banned all around the country as it tried to spread the Gonski message. It started when the Prime Minister had a televised event hosted by Ben Elton, cancelled by the West Australian Education Department. It's such a shame. These days, everything Ben Elton touches gets cancelled. Not enough live from Planet Earth fans here. That's all right, there aren't anywhere. Well, right after that, Peter Garrett, Federal Education Minister and part-time Voldemort impersonator, was, was banned from visiting a Queensland school by the State Education Minister. For the first time, Peter learned the difference between being banned and being in a band. Sorry, I'm not happy about that either. The Queensland Government banned Peter Garrett from coming to the school because they said it was their responsibility to protect students from being used as props in a political campaign. But the State Education Minister was talking about Gonski at a Brisbane school a few days earlier. So I guess what he meant to say is, get your own political props, these kids are mine. (laughs) Which is nice, I think, because if Queensland are going to block funding for things like specialist teachers, being used as props is the closest those kids will get to a drama class. Now, part of me understands why Peter Garrett was banned. It's a school's duty to keep old men who look like that away from kids. (laughs) But Campbell Newman and the Queensland government misjudged this one. Because there's one thing I know. It's if you want to make kids think that something's cool, you ban it. It worked. um, It worked for smoking, drinking and yo-yos. It'll work for Peter Garrett. (laughs) Give it a few weeks and 15-year-olds will be sneaking behind the shelter shed to chuck on the oils and read through all the Gonski recommendations like the meticulous rebels they are. Look, it's easy to see what's going on here. Jealousy. 
Every politician was picked on in school. That's why they want to ruin your life now. It's payback. No, politicians weren't cool back then. Not like me. I made glasses and orthodontics work. <laughs> but visiting schools must bring, back, must bring back painful memories to politicians like Campbell Newman. You know who doesn't mind standing in front of a room full of screaming young people? Peter Garrett, a famous, bald, international rock star. Campbell Newman is one of those things. It's not the famous rock star. <laughs> But the truth is, I think Campbell Newman and the Queensland Government are onto something. I think it's fantastic that the Education Minister is banned from places where education happens. And I think we should apply bans like that across all political departments. <laughs> Let's ban the Health Minister from going to a hospital. Let's ban the Environment Minister from ever leaving the house. Don't you dare set foot in that environment with your politics. <laughs> I think the most fun would be to ban the transport minister from moving. <laughs> At all. Uh, they just have to stand perfectly still forever. A statue that constantly reminds us how inappropriate it would be for a transport minister to go and spend some time around transport. <laughs> politicians banning politicians from doing politics is the best idea a government's ever had. If that concept is followed through, what the Queensland government will have done is create a paradox that would outlaw them from doing their own jobs. That's visionary leadership. If that kind of next level, out of the box thinking is exactly why Queensland is the smart state. Beautiful one day, mental the next. If Queensland succeeds in banning politicians from doing politics, we'll never have to see another photo opportunity or a charity swim or a Rudy Hill RSL debate. We'll be free from election year visits to factories where party leaders put on hard hats and some high vis so we all say, oh, isn't that cute? That politician thinks he's people. <laughs> I think we should ban politicians from everything. Ban them from interviews, ban them from TV. I want to turn on Q&A and see Tony Jones firing questions at empty seats. Hell, let's ban politicians from Parliament House. I want a question time that's just an empty room and a janitor quietly sweeping the floor. And then because the janitor's the only person in Parliament House, the janitor will be forced to become the Prime Minister. But now, of course, he's a politician, so he's banned. Let's just ban it. Ban it all. Ban it all to hell. Unfortunately, I don't think the Queensland government will be able to pull it off. No matter how many bans you have, you can't stop politicians from doing politics. And you definitely can't start banning people just because they're on the other team. So I'm sorry, this magical world will never exist. Not even in Queensland. I guess I'll have to make do with the one dream world they already have. Now, banning all politicians from politics. Great idea. Now, the EU, when, it, uh, when, when its parliament sits, it sits in a different capital city around Europe every year. Australia is a much bigger, larger nation than, than the European Union. Um, uh, is that something that we could do, uh, Scott? Yeah, I think every year parliament should be run from a different RSL in Western Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy, what do you think about that? Uh, I'm not sure enough Aussie politicians know where European capitals are. <laughs> right. What about you, Jazz? I think, um, no, I think it's a bad idea because Australia is, is one country. So you've got the East and the West slagging each other off. If that, when that happens in Europe, you have to bother to learn another language. It's, your hatred of each other engenders culture. It's good. It's good <laughs> what divides us brings us together. A rational fear. Even Peter Garrett can't give away a cheeky gonski behind the school sheds. <laughs> <laughs> Woo!
Ladies and gentlemen, Wendy Hama. This is going to be great for the radio. This is Wendy Hama. Um, <laughs> Uh, obviously couldn't be here today, so I am giving it a go. The jokes are going to become very obvious that they are not written by me in just a second, but use your imagination as you will. <laughs> Look. No, this is it. This is... Should I do that? This is... I'm Wendy Harmer now. Uh, Look, I'm sorry I can't be here tonight. However, this is clearly a young person's show. <laughs> You're young. Too young, in fact, to be my children. In fact, you're young enough to be my children. That's if I was a combination of Octomum and Kate Winslet and having my 24th child by three different dads. It's probably just as well that I can't be there in person. I just don't understand famous young people these days. Like... Thanks, Dan. Like, how could Joel Madden have been busted for having five grams of dope in his room? That is appalling. Really? Five lousy grams? In my day, a drug bust on a rock star's hotel room would involve a skip, a wood chipper, and the RSPCA. Back then, rock stars did serious drugs, and you never saw them as judges on TV talent shows. Like, you never saw Lou Reed, the rock and roll animal, on the judging panel of The Voice. You're having a beautiful journey on a darkened sea, on a great big clipper ship, because I'm going to try and nullify my life and I think Delta would be a really great coach for you. (laughs) Now, that brings me to why we're all here on a Thursday night. Or rather, why you guys are all here on a Thursday night. Haven't you got a political party fundraising dinner to go to? (laughs) Or is it all clickitism for you lot? Now, I love that Wendy wrote clickitism because it's clicktivism, but um, you put on your blue ties, undies and jock straps, and off you go for a hoot of a night out. If it helps, if you think menus are hilarious. Now, I'm not talking, I'm not talking about those types of funny menus you Google Uh, The ones that are written by illiterate Chinese who can't write English and who advertise bowl of soup or mutton and come in seasoner or polio chicken. Of course, they are always a cack. But original stuff, written up by real and -and up-and-coming comic sous chefs. You'll find them mostly in Queensland restaurants. Look, like most of us, I adore a thigh-slapping menu but I have to drop a bombshell tonight. That KFC gag about Julia? Sadly, I've seen it all before. I heard it about Hillary Clinton. Her Democrat KFC bucket contained two fat thighs with small breasts and a left wing. (laughs) And even before that, it was Republican KFC bucket for George W. And that was full of right wings and assholes. (laughs) So you see, it's folks. It's not misogynists or misandrists even with an added extra red box joke. Instead, it's worse. It's plagiarist. (laughs) And that's nothing that a young person doesn't like more than plagiarism on the internet. And I think we can all agree 
that if you're going to offer a KFC bucket of body parts, at least make sure it's an original recipe. <laughs> what a pity there are no jokes about coleslaw. Now I'd pay 10k to hear one of those. <laughs> Wendy Harmer! And I must say... Wendy Zuckerman, everyone! Well done, Wendy. That's great. Quick little, quick little caveat. I think it was disgusting and I don't care if it was plagiarism. <laughs> Very good, excellent, yes! I want to read you about some great comments that people have been saying online. We've got some very good Australians here, including um, a couple of... Here's a tweet from Peter Reith on Menugate. Uh, this is from the real Peter Reith. He writes, Ben Elton should be put in a big red box and shipped to Albania with a sticker, Do not open till September 15, 2050. <laughs> I've got no idea what actually he means by that <laughs> at, at all. Uh, I think that's the date for season two of Life on Planet Earth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then there's this from Lord of War. He wrote on 9MSN, What a shameful excuse for a feminist PM. Still, would bang. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lord of War. <laughs> Irrational fear. Better puns than a Balbrough dinner menu. <laughs> Conspiracy. Kevin Rudd says he doesn't want to be Prime Minister again, but we've found proof from just six years ago that he was planning to run for Prime Minister. Who's to say he won't do it again? Ladies and gentlemen, Jazz Twemlow! Thank you. Oh, this, is, uh, this is really serious. Um, so, yeah, uh, recently, The Australian, uh, my favourite newspaper after The English, last week <laughs> published an article accusing the ABC of being one-sided in its coverage of the global warming debate that there isn't. <laughs> the Australian bemoans the fact that two climate scientists, one a doctor of paleoclimatology, the other a professor of meteorology, got extensive coverage when they published a paper on climate change, including blanket coverage on ABC's The Science Show. My God, offering blanket coverage on The Science Show to two scientists. It's almost as if the name of the show is a clue as to its contents. <laughs> The Australian also tells us that the climate paper was short-lived thanks to a critical attack from former mineral prospector and therefore completely unbiased Steve McIntyre on his WordPress blog. Um, by the way, if you search on the internet for Steve McIntyre, well, he's often described as a full-time climate uh, science denier, which, uh, can you, is that something you can do full-time? It suggests that there's a part-time option. Yeah, weekends and uh, most of my waking life, I listen to the overwhelming torrent of evidence and support from climate scientists. But 15 hours a week, I'm a retard. <laughs> I mean, really, the Australian... The WordPress blog of someone who has a Bachelor of Science. Next, you're going to be telling us the ABC is biased because it's not giving equal weight to the warnings from HBO that a five-year winter is coming. <laughs> Sorry, Chris Taylor. Uh, anyway, this is nonsense. If the ABC's coverage of climate science is one-sided, then... Yeah, good. Uh, that's what happens when you report a thing that's true. 
not reporting the infinite number of things that aren't isn't bias. It's fucking time-saving. Listen to the experts, yeah? If we didn't, do you have any idea how long the news would take to report covering all the non-sides to a story? Good evening. Tonight, we look at the violent stabbings in Woolwich, London and the shocking video footage of a man wandering the street, hands covered in blood. Or did he simply happen to innocently cut open the world's first ketchup-filled human? Also, the NSA has been eavesdropping on the phone conversations of US citizens. Or have Americans just been talking really loudly? All that and more tonight on... The Everything is Possible News. There shouldn't be 50-50 proportional news coverage for an issue that 97% of scientists agree on. There shouldn't even be 3% proportional coverage. Those scientists aren't 3% right, or 100% right 3% of the time. You're confusing proportion with statistical statistical likelihood. It's like when, God bless him, uh, one of my gay friends told me, everyone's a little bit gay, you're probably like... 3% gay. (laughs) So, what does that mean in real-world terms? Does it mean if I had gone to a nightclub a hundred times this year, three of those times I would have ended up licking a man's anus and loving it? No. I hated it each time. Anyway... It's not just the media, the internet's to blame as well. Thanks to Facebook and Twitter now, people have this weird belief that their opinions are valid. (laughs) People on social media are fucking terrible. Facebook fucking status update, hey Melbourne, I'm in you, fuck off. Addressing a whole city, what are you, Saint fucking Paul? I'm a 30-year-old man-slash-woman with opinions. I'd better create a Tumblr. No, you better not. (laughs) So you know what I hope the people working at PRISM do? I hope they track down and waterboard everyone with a blog. Or kill them. Find the cafe where they're constantly tagging themselves in. Put rice in in the soy milk. Or go to some hipster forum and put a post up there that says, Suicide is ironic. And watch the blogosphere drop like fucking flies. And then maybe climate scientists might be able to get on with their job. Anyway, just trust the experts. And if this ramble was a bit one-sided, then, yeah, good. Jazz Twello, everyone! Fantastic. So, guys, why is it so hard for people to deal with the facts of climate change? Uh, Josh Lawson. Um, well, I, look, I was um, until recently really convinced about climate change. I read no, for real, until, but there, there is. Um, I was reading something um, that was in a book called the Bible. That was, <laughs> I don't know. It really changed my mind on things. I would check it out. Some pretty interesting facts in there. <laughs> Sorry, not facts, lies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, there are only facts like climate change, Dan. They're all lies propagated by the polar bear lobby. <laughs> 
Now, how can scientists, be, you know, sound more credible? Wendy Zuckerman, you're kind of a scientist. How, how, how can Wendy? How can scientists sound more credible? Well, Jazz's talk was so amazing because it's the crap that we deal with as science journals every single day when we're talking about climate science. Um, scientists talk in in uncertainties. That's the language they use. And then we've just had bloggers and misguided journos ripping apart that uncertainty as if, as if it sort of means something in a real sense. We know climate change exists. We are so, so sure that it is human-caused, human and, and that's just the language that scientists use. As a science journalist, how do you deal with people who don't believe in something as, as well-proven as climate change? Well, everyone likes to be smarter than the scientists and smarter than the climate scientists. Everyone's okay with not being smarter than your cardiologist <laughs> or cancer specialists, but when it comes to climate scientists, oh, oh, no, no, no. Mate, I fucking, I fucking walk into climate every day. <laughs> It was raining yesterday and you said it was going to get hotter. Wrong again, asshole! Yeah! <laughs> so, scientists being more credible. Michelle Lim, how can scientists be more credible? Um, just stand behind a bookcase or, um, <laughs> or just be a friend of a friend that usually works for those documentaries that come on TV. Yeah, after jazz, I'd say if you want to sound credible, just get an English accent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is that, is that, is that your, how you've done it, Jazz? That's, it's all fake. Uh, irrational fear. We'll be here as long as the Australian car industry. Kevin Rudd, Conspiracy. Julia Gillard, Kevin Rudd and everyone in the Labour Party has said there won't be another spill ever. So the first thing we want to ask them, when is there going to be another spill? Ladies and gentlemen, Michelle Lim! Okay, guys, so every once in a while, something is going to happen which is going to get everybody up in arms about racism. The recent Adam Goods example is a really good example of that. <laughs> so before, I, before I go any further, I wanted to just point out to the people who aren't in the studio tonight that I'm actually Asian. That might come as a shock to you, and if you're driving and that's caused you to swerve off the road a little bit, I'm sorry. Uh, but I think it's fair to say it's probably not the first time an Asian female has caused you to swerve off the road when you're driving. <laughs> So growing up in Australia, I never really faced much racism, which is great. But I do remember this one time, and this is right after the riots in Cronulla, right? And I had to go down there for my friend's barbecue. So there I was, sitting on the beach by myself, uh, and I see this big group of surfy guys surrounding me. And one of the guys comes up to me, and he goes, Oh, ching chong ling long, ching chong ling long, ling long long. And I'm like, mate, we're in Australia, all right? I'll speak English or get the fuck out. Like, seriously. <laughs> God's country right here. God's country. I don't even know what happened to him. I don't even know if he understood what I was saying or not, you know? <laughs> <sighs> so that joke is actually based on one of the few encounters of racism I ever had growing up. Um, every day I used to cut through this local boy's school to get to my bus stop in the morning. And there was this little kid who was only in year seven or year eight and he used to shout out, Konnichiwa, Konnichiwa, as I walked through his school. And there's a couple of things that are wrong with this scenario, right? The first one is shouting at Konnichiwa isn't really technically offensive, uh, apart from the fact that I'm not Japanese, but whatever. It's not offensive, really. I mean, like, if you're a Caucasian person and you were walking through China and some guy popped out of nowhere and went, Haro! Like... <laughs> you're not really going to be offended by that. You probably think it's a bit strange, but, you know, whatever. 
But since you're in Australia, it's supposed to be multicultural and I'm Asian, I don't know what he was trying to prove by shouting out like a, a, a polite Japanese greeting. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, right, so it's not really that offensive. But if you're going to be racist, like go hard or go home, man. Like don't just do this half-assed racism thing because this kid was born into a world where racism is pretty much illegal, right? And he's got no basis you know, to, to, he's got no examples to form his racism on, so he just kind of did this half-assed kind of thing because everyone around him is not racist. So anyway, it was pathetic and it was amateur and he should just give up on trying to be racist because he's not doing a very good job of it. Um, secondly, at the time, I was like 17, going on 18, and this kid was like 14, right? So for some reason, even though I was born in Australia, I've been here longer than he has... Like, he thought it was okay, like he had more right to be here than me. Public education, man, it's time to give it more. (laughs) And thirdly, I couldn't even tell the principal about this because I didn't want her to be like, what the fuck are you doing walking through my school, you creep? Get out of here. Because that shortcut was too good to give up. So I just had to endure it, guys. I just had to endure it. But um, what I hate about society's response to racism is this. If we see something racist happening on the bus or in public, do we step in as a group collectively and shut that shit down? No, we don't. But what we will do is save the moment so when we go home we can run into the Sydney Morning Herald or MX about it. Because, you know, the pen is always mighty in the sword. On guard and let me wound you with the wonder of my words. Like, honestly, I know that all those opinion pieces are written with good intent, but they are a waste of effort, Okay. I highly doubt that there are racist people sitting around in their living rooms reading the opinion paper, like the opinion section of the Sydney Morning Herald, and they're going to be like, oh, well, it says here, Ben from Artarman thinks racism is bad, so I guess I just won't be racist anymore. (laughs) Racist people don't care how other people feel. If they did, they wouldn't be bloody racist, would they? Um, We need to shut this shit down when it's happening, you know, as it's happening. What are we afraid of? That everybody on the bus is secretly going to be going to the same racist convention in the city? Like, that is highly unlikely. Unless you're trying to go to the races and unfortunately mishear what the bus driver's saying. And he's like, that's the bus for the racists. And then you're like, oh, the races, great. Feeling lucky today. So if you see something racist happening, please speak out. You're not going to be alone. And if you do, neither will the person being picked on. Thanks very much. I'm Michelle Lim. Michelle Lim! Now, Lewis Hobber, if you didn't have any, you know, you know, personal regard for your own personal safety, um, how would I'm a, you? I'm a brawler, Dan. I'm a brawler. <laughs> how would you shut down racists? Um, oh yeah, I like to. I like to stay quiet at the time. You know, like I, <laughs> I, I see it, I observe it, I take it home, I process it, and then like I tweet something funny, <laughs> and, um, and I just wait for that to disseminate through the Australian public. <laughs> That'll that, teach them. Yeah, that's right. I'm just, I'm just waiting for change. Don't you just uh, boycott their advertisers on 2GB? That's the standard. <laughs> Rational Fear, proudly brought to you by the ABC Complaints Department. Another Kevin Rudd conspiracy. Kevin Rudd claims he was deposed by faceless men, yet he calls Julia Gillard two-faced. How can we trust the word of a man who can't even count faces? <laughs> Josh Lawson! Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. 
Look, um, I want to start off on a sombre note. This week we lost another casualty in the drug war, Joel Madden. And no, look, I admit, no, he did not die. What did die were the hopes and dreams of Madden fans everywhere. Now, the colourful judge of The Voice suddenly heard a very different voice. The collective muttering of Maddenites maddened by meddling in the muddled matter of this modern Madden medicine. <laughs> Cannabis. Now, has it really come to this? Taking this fine, upstanding role model from good Charlotte, nay, great Charlotte, <laughs> and, and making a humiliating public example of him. I mean, come on, you, you've heard the singers on Team Joel. Hasn't he suffered enough? <laughs> and, and to make matters worse, every time I try to get updates on the plight of this global hero, the news keeps cutting to some tabloid story about something Mandela or something I don't I mean I'm not really paying attention but I'm, I understand that Mandela's story is a triumph over suffering but unless you've seen Joel Madden's penthouse suite at Star City Casino then you don't know what true suffering is um, sheets with only an 800 thread count who's the real victim here uh, but before I could light a bucket bong and stand vigil outside Channel 9 Studios the, the drug war met yet another speed bump Synthetic drugs. Now, for anyone who doesn't know about synthetic drugs, or indeed anyone who's taken so many synthetic drugs they've simply forgotten that they know about <laughs> synthetic drugs, let me explain. Synthetic drugs are designed to mimic the effects of illegal narcotics by using an ostensibly legal chemical formula, thereby making them extremely easy to purchase but extremely difficult to know exactly what is in them, particularly when the chemical formulas keep being altered in order to circumvent state laws. So it begs the question... How can a drug war be won when the drugs themselves keep changing and the demand for them seems only to grow and grow? Well, I think the solution lies in the chemistry. Now, think about it. If they figured out how to target particular brain receptors and create drugs to trigger those receptors, simulating a desired emotional and physical response, then we can use that chemistry to solve the problem. Because why do we need to win the drug war? when we can create a drug that makes us feel as if we've won the drug war. So it's a three-stage operation. I put some thought into this. Stage one, we make a drug solely for the drug enforcement agencies. Now, it stimulates the parts of the brain that makes one feel satisfied, responsible, governmental, you know, that back-slapping feeling that one has after a job well done. In fact, I think we call the drug job well done. Okay? They'll suddenly start sprouting platitudes about what a long road it was and how your children and your children's children can from this day forth enjoy a drug-free Australia. But, of course, that'll just be the drugs talking. <laughs> but, Josh, we'll need proof. We're not stupid. Well, no, you won't. And, yes, you are. <laughs> That's where stage two comes in. So the rest of us will all need to take another drug. Now, this drug, this drug I call ignorance. Now, it's long-lasting. It has a half-life of two lives. Uh, it targets the neurons uh, that activate gullibility, blind acceptance, and a false sense of security. It feels great. It's warm, safe, carefree. Trust me, if you really want to achieve bliss... I highly recommend ignorance. 
Okay, but that brings us to stage three. Now, stage three is purely recreational. Now, in the rat race of life, we're all so busy with work these days, am I right? I propose a drug called nine to five. Now, it's a drug that gives you all the fun of work without all that work. You pop one in the morning and in no time, you'll think you're in high-powered meetings, answering phone calls, filing reports, all while you're wasting away on the couch in your own filth watching TV. And when that drug-induced work week is over, no need to get dressed up and waste money at an exclusive bar. Here's a little pill that gives you the short, sharp burst of confidence you get from a few overpriced vodkas, followed by the sting of rejection normally reserved for you after you chat to that girl way out of your league. The come down, sadly, uh, feels like a failed attempt at self-gratification before you cry yourself to sleep. I'm calling this drug Josh Lawson's regular Saturday night. I say we fight fire with fire here. Of course, this is going to come at great expense. Synthetic drugs don't make themselves, at least not yet. So how do we fund this overwhelming operation? Perhaps the answer to that lies in the immortal words of one of the greatest poets alive, Joel Madden. (laughs) Lifestyles of the rich and the famous. Well, they're always complaining. Always complaining. If money is such a problem, well, they got mansions. I think we should rob them. (laughs) Not a bad idea, Joel. What's your room number again? Great stuff, Josh. Now, the media today is saying that synthetic drugs will kill you. What other synthetic things should we avoid? I, really, I, just a bit, I, I hadn't really understood the whole concept of synthetic drugs. I always thought that, like, the, the worry that you don't know what's in them. But it does make sense. Like, I like to know that the drugs I buy have the, the pool cleaner and the fertiliser that I like. You know, like, those bikies get it right every time. Yeah, I'm, I'm very particular about the laxative I have my uh, drugs cut with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got to be. I mean, yeah. you've got to have some standards. This is it. <laughs> why does the media tell us? Why, not, why does the media not tell us the real problem with the drugs? Uh, and the real problem being that they are just really fun. Um, well, there'd be, there'd be no news to report if everyone took mushrooms and accidentally created a utopia. <laughs> a rational fear. The only show with unequivocal support from Bill Shorten. Rational fear. Our next guest is a technologist and internet expert who is currently designing a new supercomputer in her spare time. I hope she'll let me play Call of Duty on it. Her name is Kate Carruthers. Now, we're hearing a lot about PRISM. Last week, we found out about the plans of the ASIO building that had been stolen by the Chinese. Uh, during a Senate Estimates Committee, last month, Green Senator Scott Ludlam asked cybersecurity experts in the Prime Minister's Department if they knew about Tor, which is a bit of software which obscures your internet protocol address. Uh, and surprise, surprise, the internet expert had no idea. Now, how tech-savvy is our government? Well, we should be worried about PRISM, but we should probably be more worried about our government when... Uh, a green senator knows more about technology than they do. (laughs) But all credit to the woman in the Senate estimates. She did go and read up on it and come back again and explain it kind of wrong again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, what... What ramifications for Australians does this latest finding have? Like, how scared should we be of prison? 
It's not too different to what we're already doing with social media, with Facebook and things. We share an enormous amount of data. The difference is about the contract we have. When we hand it over for them, it's a commercial agreement. We get free stuff, we give them data. They sell stuff with it. This is someone spying on us with the view of trying to trap people who are connected with terrorists and put them in jail for very long times and potentially put them to death. Now, um, I have a question, about it, and this is probably going to incriminate... Well, it is going to incriminate me by asking it. <laughs> but is anyone, is anyone else at all worried um, or, or feels the need to um, put like a bit of black tape over the camera on their laptop? <laughs> Does anyone else think that? I'm, that's like, like a legitimate paranoia of mine. Because Only. I swear to God, after every, after every wank, I, just, like, I go, oh, God, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, boy. But I honestly, I just by the way, I know a lot of uh, people who have that little black piece of thing up. But it's also, again, any time I see a guy with, with a black tape on the camera, I'm like, oh, dude, I'm not, I'm not touching your laptop. <laughs> is, is anything going to change, do you think? Is this going to stop? No. Good, good, good. <laughs> no, it's not going to stop. Oh, that's, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. But, but the interesting risk for us is that they say we're not collecting the data, we're collecting the metadata, so we're collecting data about data. And all it takes is one dyslexic terrorist who phones your mobile and suddenly you're on a watch list. It, it's a real risk, and so ordinary people can get caught up into this sort of thing by happenstance. And there's a really interesting article of people who've connected up Paul Revere from the American Revolution to all his conspirators by just using metadata. So what you're saying is that if the British had prism, we'd have a much better Commonwealth Games. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please thank Kate Corrales. A national fear. Behavioural experts are stunned. Parents and police want answers. And three teenage girls may have ruined their reputations forever. Now, before we say goodbye, we want to leave you with what you should be scared about next week. Here is Prism with the top three fearsome fears. After being busted for marijuana, the voice judge Joel Madden loses his KFC endorsement, but takes up new sponsorship agreements from TV Snacks, Cheetos and Magic 2-Minute Noodles. Using PRISM, President Obama gains access to all the world's private Facebook photos and tragically wanks himself to death. (laughs) You can do it, Jazz. You can do one more, Jazz. One more. Do the fucking voice, Jazz. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Following on from Edward Snowden's PRISM leak, the U.S. launches a search for women willing to say Snowden sexually assaulted them, and the Ecuadorian embassy installs bunk beds. Excellent! Irrational Fear is produced by... Irrational Fear is produced for Radio National by Dan Illing, Nikita Agzarian, DJ Tom Loud. This episode is written by Alice Fraser, Stephen K. Smith, James Colley, Mark Humphreys, Cameron James, uh, Dylan Dean, Alice Gabbett, Ewan Hollingsworth, Ben O'Brien, Ibrutoni, Nino Oyama, Eliza Riley, Hannah Riley and John Lee. Thanks to our panel, Scott, Wendy, Lewis, Jazz, Josh and Michelle. Special thanks to John Cochran, Anne-Marie Demigentor, Darren Sanders, The Laugh Garage, Sydney, CJZ and our boss, Tony McGregor. Follow us on Irrational Fear on social media and remember, there's always something to be scared of. Good night!
Your fear is rational. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.